You know what? The last 24, 48 hours are exactly why I love football. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review Season 2, Episode 8. It's James Scott and Adam with you guys. Have we caught our breath? You like being, you like near, you like near heart attacks, do you? I'm a Raw fan, of course I do. <laughs> yeah. Adam, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's been the, probably the most craziest 24 hours yeah. in, on planet football I can remember. It has just been crazy. And we'll, obviously, we'll talk about it throughout the show, but wow. Who said international breaks are boring, by the way? <laughs> we are here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. We're recording Wednesday afternoon after most of the group phases of World Cup qualification have wrapped up, and... Yes, we are raw-focused, but we can't help but discuss everything that's been going on. We'll get to that. Yes. Right now, let's talk about round one of the A-League, which is actually... just seems like it was so far away now, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, what was that? Friday? It seemed like... Wow. So the Raw in Melbourne City opened up their campaign in Melbourne at Amy Park, and the Raw's horror show down there continued mm. with a 2-0 defeat in what was, I'd say, overall, a fairly lacklustre season opener. It's not something you want to start uh, the season with. It was a fairly flat performance. Um, mm. Take out of it what you, what you will, but no, it's not it's not great. And uh, look, I'm sure everyone connected with the club, you know, the players, you know, Johnny will see the coaches stuff. I think they'll be pretty mystified by what was really a pretty uh, lackluster performance. Pretty average, wasn't it? I mean, not just the yeah. raw, like both sides. Yeah, it the, was very yeah. flat. City were probably marginally better than what the raw were. I just thought the raw lacked cohesion. Yeah, they just think, couldn't seem to get anything to stick going forward. The passes were astray. It just, just looked they were just had enough cohesion, which after a long preseason is a bit odd. But maybe they needed a few more weeks. Maybe. But look, there were you know a few things going wrong. Like Brett Holman was ruled out just before yeah. kickoff with a calf injury, which was a bit tough. Obviously missing Thomas Christensen. Yeah. And Shannon so, Brady, I think, was ruled out match day with a foot injury as well. And oh, near enough, too, because he was named in the squad and then didn't play because of a foot injury. So, And also, somewhat surprisingly, Avram Papadopoulos, who hasn't mm. featured a lot this preseason, apparently with injury, started over Luke DeVere, So I don't understand that. Well, I, I just to... don't understand that. I mean, you mentioned last week how important Luke DeVere would be to the season overall, and on the bench week one, I don't understand that. Might have been my player of the season selection, which yeah. is a <laughs> good start. But... I. Better than mine, and mine didn't even play in the squad, but Holman. <laughs> Adam. No, I'm not, not mine. He's not even <laughs> so, going well, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, it was a weird sort of game. Like, Bruce Kamau and Bruce Kamau scored the city goals. He did. Yeah. And so the first one, well, it took a clearance off a corner and just sort of scored it, like, yeah. rifled it into the far corner. Not sure how much you can really blame, you know, any of the raw defenders or Michael Theo there. Because, well, there were so many people in front of him, I'm not sure how long before he saw it. If, if you're going to p- place blame, you place blame on the actual clearance itself. Yeah. Because obviously when pl- when when you got a striker that's, you know, or even really, it's, it's driving a ball at, you know, at pace, you know, yeah. through the through sort of crowd of players, it's very, very hard. You know, it could be a deflection, it could be anything. That went clean through, and I don't think Theo reacted to it. So... I think if, if you're going to sort of sign blame, it's the fact that the Raw did not clear their lines, and it wasn't the first time. They didn't time. get out to come out quick enough yeah, either. Like, he had time to down. take a touch and strike the ball. That's maybe a bit too much time for him on the edge of the box there. That's definitely not encouraging. And, you know, that's part of the logic yeah. behind taking a shot like that. 
where yeah. you think, well, maybe the keeper's not going to see it. It might cop a deflection. Was that the first time Bratton put a corner straight in, by the way? They I took a so. bunch of short corners before that, but... It, that's I'm not really sure, but... Entirely possible. I'm trying to blank yeah. that from my memory, because... He had a really good game, actually, Luke Bratton. He did. That was actually what I was going to move on to next, was Luke Bratton. He absolutely yeah. dominated the first half. They were talking about how he's uh, dropped a few kilos going into this season, and I thought he was really impressive. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was the best player on the field. I know... If Kamau got, got it and Fitzgerald was really good. But I thought Bratton was the reason why City Rabbit was certainly dominance in the first half. He was just able to control the flow in the midfield and he kind of showed what they're all been missing with him not being there for the last couple of years. I thought he was excellent. If we're actually anointing you know, um, City players who probably were some of the better, I actually thought Bart Schenkenfeld was, actually, was very, very good. I think he could be an exceptional signing for them. That you know, Being sort of left back, because he, like, there's been a lot of sort of out there about you know, a lot of jokes and whatnot and just banter about you know, Massimo Macaron and for how he did very, very little. I, no, I think a lot of that had to do with Schenkenfeld. I thought he, he marked him well or not. I think he only really got beaten once, and uh, and yeah, I think he may be you know a really, really key signing for City. Just on Macron, I'm sure we'll get to his the way he played, but it's good to see him living up to the stereotype with the Italian hand yeah. gesture. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yep. But uh, well, okay, let's get on to yeah. Macaroni now. Yes, he was marked quite effectively, but I also feel like he didn't really get a lot of opportunities, did he? No, he had one really good moment early in the first five minutes where he was in the inside the 18-yard box and he's teed up Coletti for a shot on the edge of it. Other than that, I think he was pretty quiet. He also worked himself quite well into position to give, I think it was Capetis a chance down the right wing. Yeah, no, that was the one that he, Capetis crossed to D'Agostino and it, what, he didn't follow it in. Possibly. Yeah. There was also another one that hit the post, I think, yeah. off possibly D'Agostino. But yeah. either way, it was... That was Ben Kalfala. Ben Kalfala, okay. Yeah. Either way, it was... Yeah, a bit yeah. of a... Yeah. Like, it was a bit disjointed in the front third, wasn't it? You could see that they haven't played much together, particularly that front four. Exactly. And what was it? Fahid Ben Kalfala. You, you tell he night, was, did he? It was, no, you could tell it was his first yeah. real time on the pitch in a fair while. Oh, look, I think Nick Degasino as well sort of dropped in late to the... Um, hmm. Dropped late into into sort of the replace Holman as well. I thought he did sort of he did you know, a passable job, you know, given the circumstances. You know, ran that number ten. He should have so scored. He, he probably should have scored that there that chance that you know he didn't attack the yeah. ball. I meant but the one with the near post where. He yeah, that, that's again that that might be a youth thing that you know he yeah. he needs to back himself a yeah. bit more. But look, you know what? It's for him. I thought he had had a you know a half decent yeah. game. You know, where but didn't really sort of stand out in the end. No, no, it was you know a bit of a rough day all around yeah. for the Raw. They seem to really struggle trying to get the ball out of their half. And, look, but the eventual criticism came in the first half where, oh, they're too old, too slow from the usual... I don't care about the old part. They are. They looked a bit slow on Friday, but was it just because they're disjointed because they're not fully coherent yet? And oh, the the only thing up. on that I would say is, you know, for all this talk about uh, the Raw, mm. you know, and their preseason, which was building to week one, it's not exactly an encouraging sign that they... Oh. Well, it's two games they play competitively now, conceded yeah. seven. So True. When you get the FFA Cup, so that's not encouraging. But Although, two goals in one game is yeah. sort of fair. And that second one was, honestly, it was a bit of a kick mm. in the nuts there, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. No, look, the deflect, uh, deflection off. But look, mm. at the end of the day, I think City were always they, they chasing the second goal. And it was just a matter of time. They end up getting it in sort of fairly unspectacular circumstances. But, look, you know, you, mm. I think 2-0 was a fair reflection yeah. of, of the yeah. game. We created a couple of chances it, in the second half. Al, who talked about the dominance and stuff. I created a couple of half chances, but I never really thought we were... The, the there was Scopettis no real clear-cut chances. Well, speaking mm. of Scopettis, I thought he was the Raw's best player. 
only thing is like he really seemed to wake up probably about Too 65 late. minutes yeah. and I think that could have been a little bit of a oh my god it's my A-League debut even mm-hmm. though he's played at Soak <coughs> which you know have yeah. some of the most annoying fans in the Premier League Stoke under 23s yeah well yeah. but I mean like even then he still played I mean there's less annoying Stoke fans at under 23 games you'd have to hope so yeah. <laughs> but anyway you've got like maybe it was a little bit of a you know first game nerves but Look, not ideal, but still plenty of reason, I think, to be optimistic and think it's not the end yeah. of the world. Another yeah. thing that's optimistic about is Roman Akbari. Yes, that's came right. came absolutely out of nowhere. It was named in the squad on Thursday. I thought, well, there's a, probably just going now for experience. It turned days on the bench. And he came almost 10 minutes on the, off the bench. He had probably the best chance of the second half of the Correct, Raw. He scored within yeah, a minute. with two debut, minutes. So. It was probably the best chance of the half of the Raw. And that's one quite of those well. things that we're all keeping an eye on, I yeah. suppose, is which guys from the youth setup yeah. can make that leap. And look, it was only maybe a 10-minute yeah. thing, but... He didn't Akbari, look out of place, did he? No, Akbari looked very, very yeah. good, so... Well, Brenton Speed did mention it, that you know, he was one of the standout players you know, of the, in the NPL season. Yeah. Look, and look, we, were, we covered most of, the, most of the season, most of the games, and he was one of the better players. So it's good to see him you know, yeah. progress on. But it's, it is like... Take away the football side. It's also a very, very good story. Yeah. You know how, you know where he's come from. You know to, to get this point. Absolutely. So hopefully, you know he's one of the the, the shining lights from a youth perspective. Yeah. You know in the coming years. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the squad again on Friday night. I thought he, I, I, if it's based on performance, I think he earned a place on the bench again. Why the weekend. Not? Well, he certainly did himself no harm. Anyway, we've got a whole lot more to cover, so we're going to call up se- uh, segment one there. This is Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review, Season 2, Episode 8. James Scott and Adam. And sorry, I'm still getting used to these fancy new intros and sweepers we've got. It's great, cool. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Ooh, it sounds like a half-professional organisation now. Start to step up. Yeah. At least the intro sounds half-professional. And local too. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to segment two. We're going to look at the other A-League action from the weekend and some of the news stories that have been coming out. And we're going to start with the F3 derby, not the M1, F3, where the Central Coast Mariners had a fantastic start going up 1-0 over Newcastle. Then the Jets kind of (laughs) took things over and won 5-1. Yeah. Roy O'Donovan stole the show with a hat-trick, Adam. Yeah, I think, note to the Yellow Army, you don't go and provoke a striker like they did with that banner. <laughs> they were just asking for trouble. Um, and look, 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 credit to Roy O'Donovan, you know, that he, he took his chance and, you know, and like he actually backed up a bit of the banter before the game. Yeah. I think that's what actually makes makes for a, um, a good local derby is when you have characters like that. And the thing that I liked best about it was the fact that O'Donovan knew he was going to be the villain and was able he to played up that, to it, didn't he? He, he walked through that fine line of knowing he was going to be the villain, calling for a bit of a hostile reception, and still looking like a half-decent guy. Like, he had fun with it. It worked, because it was the best crowd the F3 derbies had in a long time. It was... Is that it's like back, it was to the, the back to like the early days of the, where it was the derby of the competition. It was fantastic. Is that because it was the first F3 derby where both teams felt they had a slip sliver of hope I think it's yeah that and also it's the first time they've played each other and they both think they can make the finals that's think, what I mean yeah. sliver of hope I think, I think a lot of, and I think what's also built up a lot of the the, the promotion side of it's been good you know the, the, the billboard on yeah. on the 
with the former F3, we'll call yeah. it. Um, the best you know, road out of Newcastle. The best road in Newcastle is one that leads to the Central Coast. That's the yeah. one. Oh, best road out there. And like I said, it's just, it was just a genuine local rivalry. And I think you know, it's great. And I think and you also have yeah, a lot of players going back and forth between yeah. sides. So, look, I think... You know, it's, I think it's Newcastle actually, won I think, that trade, by the way. Yeah, it was probably, <laughs> probably the most exciting thing, I think, over the weekend. Yeah, it I was. Think. It was probably the, yeah. oh, it was definitely the game of the round, despite mm. the lopsided scoreline. Yeah. Mm. But I thought the Mariners weren't that bad. I thought they, no. had, they had their moments. Tom Hirarie and Wow Primer in midfield. They showed enough to suggest they're going to be highly competitive as a team. Definitely. I'm really, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't be too worried if I was a Central Coast fan. It wasn't all... Well, Ernie Merrick actually said Central Coast yeah. were going to... He picked them for finals, but it wasn't all pretty. There were a couple of incidents, especially late in the first half, which really got on my nerves, where as Drupal sort of went down crying after Daniel Georgievsky might have sneezed on him or something, and... Like it was George, like Georgievsky probably dumber for getting involved, and as Drubal just looked like a moron falling over. Yeah, I think notes as Drubal. I think you know if he's going to play in Australia and you know earn the respect of the fans, he's got to cut that crap out. He was all right though. Was a, he played quite well on the. Oh, game. Apart was. from what you're mm. talking about, he played quite yeah. well. But even then, like there was that real derby intensity where the players yeah. were going after the referee probably a little bit too much. I forget who it was, yeah. but I do wonder if it was one of those guys that kind of felt like they could get after. There was definitely more derby intensity in this game than the one that followed it. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's get on to yeah. the big blue and with skip Melbourne over it victory, quickly. Sydney F6. Let's skip over it quickly. <laughs> Own goal decided the game. Fairly bit of, fair, like, fair bit of an arm wrestle, but, like, if you wanted a game that summed up the start of the A-League season, yep. it was this one. It was lots of hype, lots of optimism, and it just fell flat. Yep. Yeah, like, I think technically speaking, it was, a, it was a decent enough game. But yeah, like yeah, you know, I think it's Saturday night prime time. Um, you have hoped that you know a bit more, um, you know, blood and guts to it. But uh, look, yeah, like I said at the end of the day, uh, overall, I guess it's uh, neither team wanted to give up much ground, and an own goal decided it. Just going back, we also have to mention Joey Champness scoring for, for Newcastle. Ooh, yeah. Congratulations, because. <laughs> Another young raw player who's gone to another club and done really well, so congratulations, Joey. Yes, well done, Joey. And also, and with the victory game, I thought Josh Hope was really good off the bench for them. Yeah. As a young player who came in, we questioned their depth. Gave I thought, them hope. Your line. Uh, and no, I'm I thought that he duck out of Scott's fist. <laughs> <laughs> Close. No, I thought he, he he was quite tidy on the ball, moved moved it around quite well. I thought he was quite good off the bench. Oh, yeah. All right, so... But the only thing that was interesting in that game to me was watching him and young Tiaharis, what sort of depth victory he had, so... And it might be a little bit more yeah. than what we perhaps yeah. perceived at the start. And we're going to move on to Sunday afternoon over in Wellington. 1-1 against Adelaide. 12 oh. people watched. Yeah, I didn't see I all thought, of this game. Was this as bad as everyone said? They watched on TV anyway. So was this as bad as everyone says it was? Because I didn't see it. It had a decent start with two early goals. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> you, that could have been your entire highlight package. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, you could, you could have turned it off after 10 minutes and you wouldn't have missed much. Okay. And Wellington had a... Prepubescent yeah. goalkeeper, by the way. Yeah, Keegan it. Smith. Um, I got a tip off last week that he was going to play. Did That's you mention it on the show? I did. I think I did mention it on he the show. Did, he, yes, he did. Okay. I'm and I didn't see his save. It was. It was a tremendous a save. So he did. Hold on to him. Exactly. All right. So we're going to move on to Wanderers against Perth, and that was the best crowd I think I've seen at Spotless Stadium. You know, in AFL or <laughs> A League. <laughs> I think it was more noise than uh, AFL, but. Look, it's a, it was an interesting contest because um, look, Wanderers were just all like Perth yeah. were just, you know, they were ordinary yeah. in that first half. Sahudo looks a real player. He does. Um, Oriol Riera, he's you know scoring goals. Yeah, no, he's, he's clinical. 
Yeah. Yep. And with Perth, they just cannot defend. That was shambolic. And they've got a lot of injury problems now because Mark Warren's out for 11 weeks and um, Kianese's out and someone yeah. else is out as well. And it looks Mills, who's Mills supposed, is, who's supposed who's, to, he yeah. played, but yeah, he didn't, he didn't so finish. So they've actually, they've actually um, gone to the recruitment of bringing, bringing King, King Kenny in, along oh. with Mitch Malia and um, what's his name, the fullback, J- Jake, Jake Walker. Jeez, well, they're going uh, MPL right Yeah. So good, good, good on them. No, no, actually. Why not? Yeah, look Sorry, great. that's Jeremy Walker, not Jake Walker. The former the, Melbourne Heart ah, defender. Ah, Tazzy boy. Yep. Well, so they've gone way, to add some depth to their squad given the injuries. It's, that's got to be encouraging, yeah. though. Like, and Interesting to see how King Kenny goes over there. Yeah. A lot well, of people well, said they want to see how he goes in the A-League. It's a good opportunity yeah, for him. The only yeah. thing is he's getting, he's getting time. Uh, he's, yeah. he's behind three, three yeah. pretty competent strikers. So And also, you, yeah, you've got that. Mm. You want him to do well, but you also think like... Just not against the Raw. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but you do think like that's probably a bit of a built-in excuse already where if he doesn't succeed, it's going to... You can already hear yeah. the complaints of, oh, he never got a fair chance. Yeah. Well, and those deals aren't officially done, by the way. That's media speculation that they're bringing those three players in. Well, there we go. Okay. All right, so let's grade the A-League opening round as a whole. Overall, I'd say it was a solid C-. minus. It was pretty flat. Had yeah. some decent moments, but it was... Like, if it was round eight, we probably wouldn't have all this concern over it. But the fact that it was the opening round probably buried a little bit with two Socceroos yeah. games that turned out to be a hell point. of a lot more important than what anyone expected. Yeah, and I expected. think that's, it got lost in the international window, didn't it? So maybe it's better to start it a week after yeah, the international that, that's, break. That's, starting that's, it on that. That's the big conversation, yeah. is that, you know, if you start a week earlier, you'll bang right in the middle yeah. of AFL and NRL. Grandma. I'd I'm start it the week after, because you're missing so many star players. I mean, the big blue was... The void of so many players because of that, and Tim Cahill not playing for Melbourne City, and you, yeah. you're kind of missing out on some star players because also, of that. Just to launch the league, you'd want your best players playing. The problem is that you also have, like I said, we've got the world's longest off season. It's, yeah. I guess what's one more week? So. Yeah, push the grand final back a week, and away you go. But yeah. even then, like you can, I suppose, make that up with uh, probably a midweek round at some point, yeah. which I'd actually almost over rather. summer. Yeah, when everyone's on holidays, play a midweek round then. Oh, well, maybe you're on holidays. Mm. Please bring back the um, the big Wednesday. Oh, I'd, I'd oh that. fantastic! That's that one of the better one of the better that, FFA concepts. That one. That might be the one thing that Wellington. That might be the one advantage Wellington would bring to the A League is having the ability to play a game in this time <laughs> That's zone. Correct. And we Was do that actually say something positive about Wellington. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, Jeez. one in a hundred. Yeah. But we do actually have a correction to make. So it turns out we're stuck with Wellington for ten years from last October when they got a license extension. So great. Mm. Anyway. Yes. I, for one, welcome our Wellington friends. <laughs> <laughs> just because they're going to hate, so they can hate you two, and I'll, I'll be friends with the Wellington friends. No, just, that's pretty smart, actually, diplomacy. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, uh, that's I'll, a rugby fan in me. They've got that. Yeah, they I'm can keep pro Wellington and anti victory, so if we can remove victory from the competition, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, but see, it's exciting when you beat victory and frustrating when you lose to Wellington. Mm. Uh, when you beat victory and when you lose mm. or beat Wellington, it's okay, let's go. Let's move on to news. All right. W League preseason, the Raw 2 1 at the gap on Friday night. Abby Lloyd with a brace. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure it was a good game. Unfortunately, we were all watching the A League with a, a bit of unfortunate it, scheduling. It doubled as the 25th anniversary of the Gap women's football program, which is. Probably a little bit more yeah. for them than. Yeah, it was, it was a big. Raw. It's a big event for them. There's been a, a big contributor to women's football over there. It's probably for form wise, it's probably hard to sort of line up. Look, the Gap, the gap mm. are, you know, they are a yeah. decent football team. So it would have but, been a good test for the Raw. Yeah, I, I wouldn't like. like It's probably a team, you know, anyone that's listening outside of sort of, you know, our Brisbane or anything like that probably don't know or understand, you know, 
They're the standard bearers, aren't they? They, are, they have been the standard bearers in women's football in this state so for a long time until Pam Powell came along and knocked them over a few weeks ago. But um, look, at the end of the day, it'll be a fair test. Yeah. But like I said, they're, they're still missing, the Royal Women's still missing a few um, key players, so we'll see. And to your point, James, it is unfortunate the timing of it was exactly the same as the Royal mm. game on TV. Yeah. You might have got a bigger crowd if it wasn't. But Exactly. But I think that's not really anything yeah. you can yeah. blame them for. It was just the way it worked out. Caitlin Torpy has been named in the Young Matilda squad for the AFC Under-19 World Cup. Under-19 World Cup. Is that the actual Under-19 World Cup qualifiers. AFC Under-19 tournament doubles as qualifiers. So, Australia play Korea, Japan and Vietnam in Group B. The tournament winner, second and third place, all progress to the Under-20 World Cup in France. Yes. That's a good chance. It's a good, tough group as well. You've got Korea Republic and Japan in there. I know Korea's not the strongest in the women's game, but in, in Asia they are, but... And the good thing is that I think that the side, the squad that's been selected is actually fairly yeah. decent. Like those who follow W League will actually, they, they would actually have, you know, you'd think that you'd be confident, you know, especially based on Matilda's yeah. form as well. You know, you'd be confident that they will actually perform yeah. well. So, And then mm. New Zealand under-17 World Cup update. Drew 1-1 with Turkey, lost 4-2 to Paraguay. They'll need a result versus Mali on yep. Thursday to progress. Uh, for, from the Raw's perspective, young defender Emlyn Wellsmore played 90 minutes in both. And Oliver Duncan was a sub against Paraguay, while Nicholas Milner was an unused sub yeah. in both. Now, Milner is the goalkeeper, correct? Yes. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think he's the third-choice goalkeeper, so he's probably not going to get any game time, but it's good to see him involved. And I'll be interested about Oliver Duncan, because yeah. he was the one that we sort of earmarked last yeah. year as having quite a lot of potential. So, like, over the next year, he'll be certainly yeah. one to watch from where he fits in with the New Zealand You'd think setup. If, Marley, if they're going to get a result against Mali, he'd have to be heavily involved as well. That's right. And in the senior squad for New Zealand, Dane Ingham played 90 minutes in their 2-1 loss to Japan in a friendly. That was actually, from what I read and heard, it was actually a fairly um, a fairly decent result. Like, Japan had to get out of jail in the Goyas, so... It was um, the last minute, wasn't it? I'll yeah, this time, yeah, yeah. So, look, the All Whites, you know, I guess for preparation-wise, mm-hmm. um, you know, had their crucial World, you know, World Cup inter- intercontinental yeah. playoff. I think they're, they're taking over a right. Absolutely. All right, so uh, we've got two more stories to get through quickly. Academy update. The club partnerships struck with a host of teams across Queensland. So you've got Olympic, Souths, Grange, Logan, Gold Coast City, uh, Sunshine Coast Wanderers, and Far North Queensland. So yeah. they've got pretty much all of the state yeah. covered now for Exactly. The, this, is what, this was the plan. I think this is they're going to be the feeder clubs. So not feed in, but they're where players... Was, was they going to swap in between and stuff? And Yeah, it'll be a little bit of an yeah. acquisition program from what I can yeah. gather. For the yeah. younger age groups where they go and train the players at that point. So. We might have to try yeah. and uh, talk with uh, Drew Sherman yeah, later yeah. on. I know, I know he explained at the uh, forum a few weeks yeah. ago about how it is. So. <laughs> yeah, can't quite remember exactly how yeah. he explained it, unfortunately, off the top of my head. But it is, front, it's good that sure they've got a lot of big clubs around the region covered. Definitely. All right, and the final story, which has just come out at the moment, FFA calls emergency general meeting to vote on Congress changes, which is also code for please don't throw us to FIFA. <laughs> So the members will. Uh, so the EGM is on the first of November in order to resolve the long-running Congress dispute. The members will now vote on a nine-four-one-one voting model. So nine votes for the federations, four for the ten A-league clubs, one for the PFA, and one for the women's game. This is all off uh, DailyFootballShow.com, by the way. So it sounds like the FFA have won the battle against the clubs because the clubs want nine-five-one-one. Yes, which well we were talking about it this week, and it kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense asking, but. 
what difference is that one extra vote really going to make? Look, no. my, my the federation still holds sway with the nine votes anyway. So exactly. Yeah. Look, my view is simply I, I think I think FIFA's going to come in. I think it's inevitable. I think the, in the the A League clubs, I think if if they want this resolved and they were in it was in the, if it was their best interest to keep this FIFA board uh, this FA board I should say in it, they would have you know agreed this long time. I think they're going to sink it. And like I said, I think that there's going to be a normalisation committee. I think this is what they want. Didn't they bring one in Argentina as well this they year? Did, yes. Yeah, so. And look how that worked out. Yeah. No, seriously, look how it worked out. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like from a PR perspective, like I can't even see how I suppose the Lowy group would want to even stay on because they've just copped so much lately, probably yeah. rightly, rightfully so, I would say. Like with the amount of stuff they've done to stagnate the game, particularly the A League. Yeah. Look, and, and with all with all due respect to Stephen Lowy, but you know, given that the, the game's in crisis, mate, he's the chairman, and he decides to jet off and you know go overseas and conduct his business. I assume for the Westfield Group, who yeah. look are a sponsor and all that. But um, yeah, rather than stay and try and resolve the situation, I think yeah, I think it's a sort of a sign of time to say that you know where his full priorities mm. lie. You know, and yeah. I just don't I just don't think the game at the moment where we're trying to get to is. Um, needs a part-time, you know, chairman. Needs someone who's on yep. board that's going to, you know, constantly engage all the stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, it's the it's the clubs and the um, and the PFA that want the most attention. Yep. All right. So we've got a lot to keep, uh, track with that story. That's still plenty yep. in development. I think there's going to be more on that mm-hmm. between now and November. You would have to think. All right. That's going to do it for segment two. We'll be back right after this. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review, Season 2, Episode 8. It's Segment 3, and we're going to talk about all hell breaking loose in international (laughs) football in the last 24 hours. Oh, hell breaking loose. That's a great thing. Hallelujah. International break. It was fantastic. Unbelievable. The whole week from when there was a game in Malacca... All the way through the other confederations has been fantastic. We went around the world a couple of times yeah. and wow, there's been some moments. We're going to start off with the jerseys that Scott and I unintentionally coordinated <laughs> yeah. today with the Socceroos. So, yeah, Thursday night, as you mentioned, 1-1 draw in Malacca in Malaysia. It was interesting, I suppose. Very uh, rough patch to play yeah. on. I thought Socceroos should have won the game by more, particularly with Tommy Urich had a couple they of They should have won the game full stop. Yeah, they should have won it full stop and they... Tommy Urich's chances in the second half. If he buries those, it's a completely different tie going into the second leg, and the drama of last night probably doesn't happen. But, but oh look, fair play to Syria because the last twenty minutes over there in Malacca they were sensational. Well, we were talking about this like just before we started recording. Like, you get, I'm not sure what idiotic reaction frustrated me more to the way the Socceroos have qualified or the way the qualifiers were going. It's the ones that say, oh. Or the obnoxious ones yeah. that go, oh, Australia should just be walking through these qualifiers because Asia isn't that good. So, which, so disrespectful. Which yeah. there Asian are some Federation. fairly like major, well, mm. fairly prominent fans that go on about, oh, mm. the Socceroos should just be so much better. Mm. When in reality, a lot of these teams, mm. the Socceroos might be playing down a little bit, yeah. but these sides have improved they so have. much. And there's another team we'll probably talk about later on who took a similar attitude with their qualifying and got well, burned. So yes, luckily for us, we got through Asia. The, the second one that really frustrates me are the... Just 
I don't know the polite way to describe them on air, but the ones that go, oh, we shouldn't even qualify, I don't want us to qualify, you're clearly a bandwagon jumper that came on November 2005, no. who have no idea I what you're talking about. I think it's people about. who've lost perspective on how important World Cup qualification yeah. is to the sport generally in terms yeah. of the interest that it gains for and that if you're two gonna... weeks in June. You eat the game needs that oxygen. And you if have, you're going to, to be qualify. that stupid about the Socceroos and such a spoiled brat about it, get out of the game. We don't have room for you. Oh, I say, I absolutely... And get off my lawn. There you go. <laughs> you beat me, you beat me to that line. But <laughs> no, look, look, that's absolute, look, I absolutely agree with James on that. Is that there, you know, it's, there's, it's nothing more disgusting to yeah. me, to be honest, that you know, this is our national team. It doesn't matter how badly we're going. It doesn't matter how we go. If you're an Australian citizen and you support the sport, you should be going for national team no matter what and not trying to throw it under the bus. And even if you're... Yeah. Like, either way, like... It's a results-driven industry. Yeah. Look, yeah. I'm an Arsenal fan. Ask me how yeah. like pretty football has gone for the last 15 or so yeah. years. It's take, a results industry. And Asian. right now, their main job is just to get to the World Cup. Yes, I would like it if they were getting through automatically and scoring five goals yeah. a game, but they've got to if do you, it the ugly if way. If you take the Asian Cup, there's been tremendous apathy around the national team for yeah. a whole host of reasons, whether it's you don't like the system, you don't score enough goals, they're not playing in a particular city. It's just it's a lot of apathy around the national team and... Uh, I, but I understand it to a degree, but I don't know if it's. It's been going on for such a long time, though, because no people were so it's frustrated entitled. with the end of the Holger Osek era, saying that wasn't very good, and it wasn't. And then Ange came in and he won the Asian Cup, which lifted everyone's spirits. And since then, it's just dropped off the. But even then, after the Asian Cup, there were a lot of people that I remember reading, like not everybody, yeah. not no absolutes or anything like that. But you get those ones that go, oh, they weren't really weren't that good, or they're not as good as the Premier League, or whatever. And it just, it really bugs me that there's now this spoiled, entitled attitude among yeah. some Socceroos fans. Yeah. I think, because I, I, forbid this doesn't happen, but I think it would take a failed World Cup campaign for those fans to, to realise it. And the sad thing is, and hopefully those it doesn't people, happen. The sad thing is, those people would be happier with the Socceroos failing just to be right, which says a lot about where their heads firmly lodged right now. Look, and I think that's actually a lot of things but about, about, you know, this whole, you know, old. I, I, I told you so sort of mentality not, and not the Johnny Warren type either. yeah exactly the complete negative look at the end of the day you, you guys are right the international football is about results who yeah. cares if we go through the whole qualification with 1-0 with you know if we're parking the bus trying to get a result would I don't you think rather, we're parking the bus by no, the way no no but no but what I'm saying is that if that were the case and if it's the next yeah. the next coach that comes on because obviously Ange has gone this whole attacking attitude if the next coach whoever he is decides you know what we need to go from a defense first policy you know a bit like in Italy or something like that you know what you'd get just as many people whinging oh the Socceroos are boring you know the thing is international football is about results yeah. you get results you go okay. to a World Cup calm down Bosler calm down it's not but it's not just <laughs> I, I remember Mark Bosler's going off on that rant that's oh, why I, I said I, that I, look, I missed that so I'm not it's I'm, not yeah. just in, it's not just international football any football yeah. is about results and the bottom line is Yes, it was ugly. Yes, it was frustrating. Should we talk about the result from last night? Yes. Well, the Socceroos did get through in extra time last night against Syria. It well, was, the skin of their teeth they got through. But, look, it's an Ange Postacoglu team. Are they yeah. going to do it any other way? Yeah. And, look, there, there's a lot to be concerned about, but in the end, you've got to start everything with they got through. Did yes. anyone else's heart stop when Alsoma struck that free kick? I just expected yes. the net to move. A little bit, yeah. yeah. I was watching it at work just going, oh, God... I've got all this stuff just ready yep. to go for tomorrow's show and it's going to blow up straight yep. in my face, isn't it? But thankfully it Five didn't. Five centimetres the other way, it would have. 
Yeah, well, five centimetres the other way, you would have missed completely. Have you seen that photo? Of yeah. the, that's yes, unbelievable photo. Last night. That's yeah. unbelievable photo, that. Yeah, credit to the Getty Images guy that took it, because yeah. that, was, that was brilliant. But yeah, so 3-2 on aggregate. Tim Cahill to the rescue. Because yeah, it had to be Tim Cahill. Why not? Like, <laughs> Who else it, was it going to be? <laughs> yeah, well, Tommy Urich had his chances. I... Did quite like what Tom Rogic was doing for a while there in the second half. We were just going, stuff it. I'm going to do what I do in Scotland and just drill it. <laughs> yeah. And it did, like, he had a couple of close chances. And yeah. those are the things that do need to get buried. And look, we could probably do a whole hour on... On missed soccerish chances? Or, and also just on what we think needs to improve yeah. as we go forward. But at the end of the day... There are plenty of teams in much worse positions than the soccer we'll is right now. Oh yes, and we're going to start with. Uh, you want to talk about the Honda, the the fact they're playing a qualif- qualif- well, that's Honduras? what I was actually trying to segue. Oh, okay, I'll just interrupt your segues <laughs> again then. We've been doing this for over a year and still not quite on the same. No, page. we're not. <laughs> so Honduras qualified from Concacaf in what was an absolutely bat crap crazy yeah. half an hour. Oh, <laughs> we, 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 oh, we, yeah, like I said, we were playing three different nations in the space of half an hour. And we landed probably actually, I think probably the worst case scenario. I think I, I, don't, I don't know if people have done the research on Honduras, but this is not a place that you want to be going to, mm. even for a first leg. You know, the, or uh, for a holiday. I yeah, reckon US would have been worse on talent, but I hear your point. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, oh, it's, it's like I said, it's probably the worst case. I would have probably almost rather play the USA, which we were playing for about five minutes. At, <laughs> you know, yeah. If there, it's crazy. Like there, if there was a bigger basket case than Australia... Yeah, it's and, definitely the USA. And to your point earlier about about the way people perceive the national team, right now, America are suffering what we very well may have yeah. in terms of apathy towards our our own region, it's just underestimating it. I think everyone expected them to go to Trinidad and Tobago and win, and they didn't. They but were, yeah, like well, with the Socceroos, even like you consider two thousand and five, they the Socceroos there were the underdogs that nobody expected Absolutely. to be able to do a damn thing, and. Yeah. They got a bit of luck, which any successful yep. team needs, and they got through. So, even if the Socceroos are heavily favoured here... I don't know if they would be heavily favoured. They're not, but yeah. I'm just more of a... If they are heavily yeah. favoured, that's exactly why you've got to be a little bit concerned about Honduras. It's two because teams that have been in the World Cup quite recently as well. I remember Honduras were in 2010, I don't know, about 2014, but... Yeah. They've, they're not. They're no pushovers, Honduras. Absolutely think, not. Well, they beat a already qualified Mexico this morning 3-2, but the highlight of this game definitely had to be the second goal, which was a Guillermo Ochoa own goal, where the shot rebounded off the crossbar into his head and then back into the Remember goal. Remember, this is yeah, the uh, Ochoa, who was, the beat, like, who was a superstar at the last World Cup as well. Is he well. the one that looks like Ted Mosby off How I Met Your Mother? I think uh, he is. Don't yeah. talk about that show. <laughs> <laughs> but, and it, yeah, like, and 60th minute... That was the goal that put Honduras up. and That'll Q-Deliri. improve Mexican-American relations, that won't it? Definitely. Yeah. Oh, there's the accusation that they threw the game to the US. So, oh, like, I thought, the, I thought the, Brazil the, wouldn't the, be the throwing twi- games. The Twitter meltdown for USA <laughs> not quite, has been, quite frankly, it's been laughable. But I say that with laughter to a point where I think, oh my God, this could be this could be a strange. That could have been yeah, us. This could very well backfire in five weeks. Yeah, that could have been us last night, a Twitter meltdown, if Alzheimer's yeah. free if, kick if goes five seven minutes the other way. Free kick goes in. We're, we're, we're not talking about Honduras. We're talking, I'm, we're talking about... I'm still we're rant- not talking I'm, about America either, I'm quite still frankly. Ra- I'm still ranting at stupid fans, but I'll probably also be ranting about the Socceroos and their blown opportunity. Yeah. But it did look for a while like it was going to be Honduras through and a playoff against the United States until the 88th minute of Panama versus Costa Rica, where 
Roman Torres scored the goal and just everybody seemed to lose their absolute mind. Well, I think the Pan- Panamanian government, I think, lost their mind as well because they've actually declared a natural holiday uh, for, for qualifying for the World Cup. Their, their first qualification. So it if, is big. That's a great story, that. Absolutely. Is, yeah. And just going back to the soccer yeah. is again, you did feel a little bit like the guy that shot Bambi's mother to kill the Syrian fairy tale. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. But, look, it's football, so... Who cares? I think just one last point on um, Syria. I, I think, to be honest, I think they've been sort of unfairly maligned, you know, a little bit. I thought that over two leagues, I think they were a quality side. I think they don't, they never got the respect that they deserve because I think with all the, the backstory about being a bunch of nomads for the last five years and whatnot, but obviously that's galvanised them. And yeah, look, they they have every right to feel disappointed and and you know, heartbroken of not make it. But yeah. I think actually they were a quality side. I think yeah, I they think. like us would have half a chance had they have gone through. To, to go through the World Cup. That's the closest they've got to World Cup qualification. Yeah. And given what's happening in their country, you've just got to tip your yeah, hat to them. It is, it is a fantastic yeah. effort. And look, it would have been a great story yeah. had they have gotten through. But as a Socceroos fan, I'll say, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I want the Socceroos yeah, above qualify, all else. Yeah. That's, just the, that's the only thing. Otherwise, I'd say, yeah, it would have been, would have been great. Yeah. But, you if know, we didn't find ourselves in this situation, you would have been cheering for if, Syria to get through. If worst case scenario... Like if, well, best case scenario happened if last we, month yeah. and the Socceroos got through and Saudi Arabia were in the playoff then I think yeah. everybody bar Saudi Arabia would have been backing Syria oh, yeah. through. I know you want to move on to another story that broke today, but we also have to talk about New Zealand and Daningham in particular. They now have a well, great chance against Peru. Was, that was actually what I was about to I thought, you, no, I thought you were going to go through to the other story no, that no, broke no. today. Run over the segue here. Yeah. So we've got... Uh, Let's create my do own. You, do you want to host, Scott? <laughs> no, I don't. Have you heard me hosting? Huh? <laughs> yes, I did. Exactly. No one wants that. <laughs> All right, so Conanball qualifying, yeah. which... In and of itself was actually pretty crazy as well. Yeah. So the game. Well, that was where the drama was going to be. Apparently not. Games kicked off at nine thirty this morning, and you know, even a uh, Uruguay were in second place, and they were still a chance of falling into the uh, their favourite position. <laughs> they managed to get through with a fairly comfortable win in the end. Unfortunately, Leo Messi got through. I mean, Argentina got through. <laughs> which they were playing was it Colombia? No, no they were playing no. Ecuador. Ecuador. It's been a very busy day. The flags are pretty much the same, but um, easy, easy to misunderstand. Easy to mistake. That's right. So they were playing Ecuador, and they were up inside the first minute. And you were thinking, "Oh, this could be One this could Messi's be the story of the day." Argentina. Little did we know. Mm. And then Messi decided, "No, I want to go to the World Cup after yeah. all," and just went th- goal, goal, goal. Eleven, eighteen, and sixty-two, and fantastic performance. I flicked through that before I came over here this afternoon. Oh. Unbelievable performance from him. Absolutely. And then, uh, Colum- so Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina and Colombia came through. Brazil played Chile and you were kind of wondering how it was going to go. That was the expectation that Brazil were going to roll over and let Chile win and hopefully mess up Argentina's chances along the way, but well, apparently not. The joke I had this morning running the work Twitter account was, you know, Arsenal fans have been wanting Alexis Sanchez to have a summer off for the last four or so years. <laughs> and now he finally does to be fresh for his Man City debut exactly. in August. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, good for, good for them. There's the, yeah, the South American champs gone. And yeah. Peru are now the t- uh, side that's it's in the playoff against for, New Zealand. Great chance for Daining and the New Zealand boys. So the two playoffs there between uh, Oceania and South America and Asia and North America, the yeah. first... Win- first leg window is between the 6th and the 9th of November. Yep. Now, I'm really hoping it's not on the 6th of November because that's literally the first day it opens gotcha. and it'll be Tuesday lunchtime here, which will... There's clash- some event that... Uh... Yeah, it'll clash with the Melbourne Cup, yeah, which is going to do event, wonders for the TV viewership, let alone being lunchtime yeah, on exactly. Tuesday anyway. 
And then the second leg is 14th of November at ANZ Stadium in yes. Sydney. Oh, no, it'll be Stadium Australia because sponsorship. Uh, yeah. And I'm seriously tempted to fly down to Sydney for it. And just by the way, I was getting ready to knock the Sydney crowd last night. But for the 50,000 were there? No, 42. 42, that's a pretty good effort, all considered. I was Especially considering less. they knew that they would have this leg as yeah. well already. So I, I can guarantee to with, t- with ticket night. prices for a lot of these games, mm. there would have been probably... 15,000, 20,000 people that went, I can't really afford yeah. both, so I'm going to wait for the November yeah. game. And also as well, t- talking about the crowd last night, and the sta- uh, sorry, Stadium Australia. Um, look, uh, how, how great was the Syrian? Yeah, uh, the Syrian fans that are fantastic. Was just, that, that was just great. Look, that, that just shows you know, the world game. You know. James, what piece of advice? If you do go down for that game, sidelines. Sidelines? Yes. Good to know. Yep, the ends, the sidelines are terrible. Good to know. Avoid them. Well, New Zealand will face Peru over two legs on the 6th and 14th of November. First leg is at Westpac Stadium in Wellington. Hopefully they get a bit of cr- bigger crowd than the Phoenix. <laughs> oh, sink the boot. And second leg is in Estadio Nacional in Lima. So you're hoping for a New Zealand win then? Actually, no. I'd be happy with either side. Look, I think... Like, it's what I've heard the New Peru. Zealand hater, there's no way you want the All-Whites to win. It's the rugby union fan in me. As I said, I keep going back to that. I get, look, I give the All-Whites half a chance. Like I said, they can somehow get a comfortable lead, you know, 2-0 lead, going back to Lima. I think if they can hang on, I think, you know, I'm, they're half a chance. The one thing they might want to go back, go back and look at the 2001 reception Australia got in Montevideo, because yeah. they're, that's exactly what they're going to get when they get to Peru. They're oh. going to get all those tactics and then some. Now, just before we wrap up, we've got like one last point about the way that World Cup qualification has unfolded right now. The North American champions, USA, gone. South American champions, Chile, gone. And African champions... Cameroon, gone. That's right. And so, Australia are not guaranteed a spot either. So you could wind up with four of the six a, confederations. I'm not 100% sure. I believe Portugal, the European champions, are in the playoffs they're, yeah. no, as well. I thought they're through automatically now. I can't remember. I check, check how they went against Switzerland overnight. Cause I well, you keep talking Because I second. honestly haven't paid any attention to European World Cup qualifying given the events of North and South America. But with the North American champions out, the South American champions out, the African champions out, the Asian champions of Australia Portugal is through. still Portugal not through. Portugal are through on goal difference. Well, there you go. So, so Switzerland <laughs> are in the playoffs. So at least one of the one continental champion will be there. That's right. Maybe, maybe hopefully Australia make it too. Absolutely, but it does say a lot about how competitive this qualification Absolutely. phase it's been. Now, it it's up to you if you want to say it's you know teams rising up to their opponents or playing down to the lesser nations. More good teams than people give credit to around the world. Well, and that's what the plan has been for FIFA for the last, what, 20, 30 years, where they want to yeah. stop this being just a European and South American monopoly, isn't it? Yeah. Well, exactly. And the thing is, is that there are more than 32 legitimate uh, contenders that, you know, yeah. you say they go to World Cup. And that's, but I think that's the beauty of the World yeah. Cup qualifiers, is that you're going to have shocks like yeah. a USA, like a Chile, like a Holland, that now are gonna are they going to miss out? And there's a there's a host of um, European teams that have finished. Italy's third. in the playoffs as well, so they may very well miss yeah, out. Yeah, that's too. the thing, and this, this is the whole beauty of it. Now, no other, I guess, World Cup in sport in the world has this you know charm. And I'd hate that. You know, I know they're talking about expanding out to to 48 teams, wherever it is in the future. Oh no! I, I, look, I, I would hate that this is because it World would Cup, ruin this week that we've just seen it. Yeah, it, the, it, the, it the World would, Cup all these should teams be, be about, there anyway. Yeah, yeah. and it should be. A, Honor to make it. Now they said that yeah. when they ex- expanded the 32 yeah. teams, that it was going to ruin it. And maybe the group stages are a little bit watered but, down at the moment. But this 
Just wait till it gets to 48, it'll be more water. But I think, I think that, that that whole oh, 32 had ruined it was sort of a bit of, you know, a case of, well, you've got the more Asian club. teams, yeah. you've got, like I said, these, these sort of these, these I yeah. guess, soccer's version of, you know, third world teams and all of a sudden now are, are rising up. You know, look, where the 48 teams, you know, I think it's, again, I think it's a real line to say, you know, to appease Europe. I know you want to move on, but Netherlands failing, should we really be following the Netherlands development path? Given yeah. the FFA's ties to the Dutch? Well, we can get more onto that yeah. another day. We've got to move on yeah. to the major breaking story in Australian yeah. football, which has, funnily enough, been kind of buried. Ange Postacoglu is, according to Dave Davutovic, going to resign after the November playoff, no well, matter apparently what. Apparently he was going to quit after the Thailand game if Australia qualified. Which, and a lot of the criticism I've seen today is, oh, he can't hack a little bit of criticism from fans and media, but... Have you not seen the way he's no. dealt with criticism in the past? I don't think it's that. I've looked at no. I, I agree. It's, I, I, there's a lot more to this. Um, if he couldn't deal with criticism, he wouldn't invite it onto himself yeah. so much by saying, no, 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 put it all on me. It's my decision, yeah. my team, this, that, the other. He's made it about taking all the criticism about the campaign, taking it off the players. So I don't think it's that at all. No. I he, think- he, Ange's a lot more thick-skinned than you know, what the media are trying to... Sort of to sort of say, you know, and like so we've seen it, him cop flack at the Raw, you know, victory, you know, in the, you know, in the worst of times for the Socceroos, you know, it's, this him, his reason to quit is not because he's, you know, he's gone all soft and, you know, and can't hack it anymore. There, there's something a lot more of this. We'll have what to see. What it is, we'll see, yeah. But, yeah. I, I still would much rather see him leading the Socceroos to the World Cup. I absolutely than, still want to lead the next teams to the World Cup. But to me, this screams one of two things. One, he's got an offer he can't refuse yeah. overseas. Or two, there's something going on behind the scenes at FFA board level where he's just gone, nah, stuff it, you're on your own. Yeah, there's something too this that'll come out between... It'll come out between now and November. I don't think we'll be well, left wondering. I heard on, I want to say Fox Sports, one of the reporters there, it might have been... I want to say Daniel Garb. Now, if that's wrong, don't hold it against me or him because, you know, mad cow. <laughs> he was saying that there was some stuff going on behind the scenes, especially with Andrew's comments after the PFA stoush. This is back about two years ago. He sided with the players yeah. over that, and he was told... And he was to admonished... ...step in, back in line with FFA, his in, employer. And I'm wondering if his that's... demeanour did change after that. Yeah. So it could so, be right. So I'm wondering if there's something related to that. Mm. And now he's just gone, no, nope, my job was to get us to the World Cup. Now, look, we can save the debate on whether or not his tenure was a success, probably for November. Yeah. But... Right now, it's not much of a debate if you ask me, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, well, it's always a debate, otherwise, we wouldn't have a show. Mm. Um, yeah, I think there's got to be something more to it, and it will come out eventually, whether it's when the FFA board goes or when Ange leaves. Something is going to come out. I, I think so. I think it's, yeah, like it, it's more than me, CI, on this. Um, and look, it's, it's funny, it's, it's actually with it's the four year anniversary of when uh, they, they out. got Hogger out and Ange took over. So, and now he had that lim- he had that limited time to get the soccer roof prepared for. There is something toxic in Australia. I picked the wrong day to go on a social media blackout with this Ange story in the US. Yeah, because Adam and I were messaging each other this yeah. morning and going, oh, Scott's not. I picked anything. the wrong day to go on a social media blackout. I wanted to avoid spoilers on the Argentina Ecuador game, thinking that was going to be the big story of the day. Apparently not. That's right. And Ange had a statement this afternoon that said pretty much nothing. Yeah. But as we've learned from his time with the Raw, he can happily be negotiating a contract with someone yeah. else while focusing on a big game. It did have very similar overtones to what he was kind of saying as manager of the Raw. I feel like we got more when he was with the Raw saying, no, 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 I like it here. Mm. But anyway, that's going to do it for a very, very long segment. You don't want to talk about potential replacements? 
Do you want to? I do. Okay, let's go, Scott. Ooh. All right, well, have you got anyone in mind? Just come yes, in after me. the World Cup, after the <laughs> November, who, who would you bring in? It's tough because like, the first name that pops into my mind is who's hitting, but yep. I feel like that's it's been the recycled. One. But that's been recycled way too often, and I'm kind of not. I'm kind of falling out of that idea right now because do you really want to keep going back to that safety net and do you want to ruin what is a fantastic legacy for him in Australian sport? Now, admitted, there will be people calling for him after hitting eventually passes on in like yeah. 20, 30 years yeah. or whatever, <laughs> but that's just the way He could only work. enhance his legacy if he takes over after qualifying anyway. True. If he takes over for the World Cup campaign, he could only enhance it. But... Uh, all right, well, actually, you know what? I do want to keep going with this. Mm-hmm. Do you, If Angie's in fact walking... Do you let him take the November qualifiers? Yes. It's too late to change it. Yes, I agree. I th- feel like if it was You're another coach, all, yeah. I'd be a little bit nervy about mm-hmm. it. But for Ange, we've seen him have success with this in the past. Too, so. Who are you going to bring in in two weeks that's going to know the players that could take the job on? Well, the sca- There's only one man, and I don't think he'd take it at this point. Well, the scary option for me is Graham Arnold. Or yeah, that would Kevin be the Musker. only one. It would be, it would ha- if we were going to replace Ange now, it would have to be Graham Arnold. If, if Ange was to walk right now and Ange just said, no, I'm going now, as in right now, look, you'd have to think that, you know, Josip Gombau, Ante Milicic would be yeah. the guys. Yeah. There are rumours that Ante Milicic is about to go to West, to West Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. Um, Unless so Ange has taken to... that job from him. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that, that's, look, that's, if, if we're going to sort of touch in the rumour, that's, yeah. that's one possibility. But, um, yeah, look, I, I think for me, if we're talking replacements, you know, for the World Cup, I know you, Scott, did not like this when I, when I brought it up off air. I actually sound like Jurgen Klinsmann. Oh, would, would be like someone that, a mercenary that can go in, you know, World Cup. I've got someone, but he coached in our World Cup group. Jorge Fossati? Bert van Marwijk. Oh. Took the Netherlands to the to the 2010 World Cup final. Took wow. Saudi Arabia to th- the World Cup. I think if you're going to replace someone, that's he's available right now. I would. I forgot He about would him. be someone that I would bring in from after November. Yeah. Even if we qualify, or we don't qualify. Bring him in for the Asian Cup. Yeah, well, that's World the Cup thing. and the Asian whoever, Cup. I would bring someone in now for that. Whoever signs on, I would it's take both. Them, yeah, I'd take them through for. Yeah. I give them an 18 month contract. Yeah. See, I'm this. see, I'm, I'm a bit different. I'm thinking, yeah, what we get if we if then this is all pre-game on. If we get to get past Honduras, that's a big if. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, like I said, I, I'm thinking more in the headspace of you know what you get a, you get an experienced overseas yeah. coach, gets through the World Cup, yeah. three, four, hopefully five games. Yeah. You know, if we can get if we can get that deep and you know a bit of luck of the draw, then yeah. you start fresh. You know, you get a guy like a Musker or an Arnold. Or, I, I'm not. I'm not that's the other option. Arnold. Someone like then, but, and then like I said, but basically you have yeah. one year ahead of the Asian Cup, and then you have three years for another for yeah. the uh, for the World Cup in 2022, which will be a little bit easier because of Qatar being host. All right, I think I'm gonna have to pull a plug on this yeah. segment now because it's been 25 minutes, wow. so we're going. <laughs> and Scott's already got his headset yeah. off, so we'll be back after this to preview this weekend's A League action. That's right, they're still going. Oh, that competition, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back for the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. James, Scott and Adam. And we had a fairly long last segment, so what do you say we get through this quite quickly? <laughs> it felt like back we to that other competition, minutes. yeah. Yeah, the A-League, which is technically what this whole show is about. Yeah. Um, yeah, Friday night, Suncorp Stadium, the Raw's first home game for 2017-18 against Adelaide United. You excited, Scott? Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm excited to get back to Suncorp Stadium in an A-League capacity. It'd be fantastic. 
You'd have to hope so, yeah. Uh, Adam? Look, I think um, Adelaide, they, they show glimpses of, um, I guess, in sort of a, a kind of Dow game in, in Wellington. So, I, But like I said, uh, the big, I guess, focus will be, you know, their, obviously their imports. You know, um, Johan Absalonson, um, uh, Matt Moore, I can't remember his name. Trim, Matt Moore. Yeah, Tim. And, and, um, and actually, strangely enough, um, Dio Warren have actually made it onto the pitch uh, for... Okay. For uh, Adelaide, so it'd be interesting to see a fresh, you know, striker believe, for them. I believe Taylor Egan's also in doubt with an injury as well. That's so right. That'll weaken their back lines. Very much in doubt. Uh, before we go much further, though, what officially say, fan cams are back for 2017-18. If you haven't seen the video on our Facebook page, which is Scott. It is Brisbane Football Review and Twitter at Raw Review. It'll be on both of those, I would imagine. James, you put it up. That's right. Uh, yep. Twitter's got an issue with video length, so okay. I'll have to work out how to get it up on there. Yeah, well, you can get in contact with us on both of those. Also, um, podcast Wooshka and iTunes. That's right. The iTunes feed is updated. Yep. And email is brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. We welcome any and all questions, whether it's about broadcasts in the US, which <laughs> I think, I would assume it's still on ESPN3 for the question that we had. I'm not sure who broadcast in the US. It was ESPN3 last year, and we haven't seen any I sort of announcements. Either them or Fox Soccer be one of the two. No, I actually believe it's on DirecTV. Um, I, I, I knew that because when I was over there and trying to, trying to search for it, apparently it was on DirecTV, which is pay TV, and as a out-of-towner, I ain't paying for it. <laughs> not even in the hotels? No, oh, hell no. <laughs> All right, so the other big story to come out for this uh, is the front of shirt sponsor temporarily for the Roar has been announced. Uh, it's the Starlight Children's Foundation. Yes, they've announced it's just literally as we started recording this this afternoon. Uh, yeah, so this is from the Raw Supporters Federation. They spent they sent a request to the club managing director for a situation update, and this is the response. Brisbane Raw have been in final stages of negotiating a lucrative front of shirt deal with a well-known national sports retailer and expected to announce a deal this week. However, the retailer has subsequently signed a sponsorship contract with the FFA, abandoning the. Pr- proposed front-of-shirt deal with Brisbane. Whilst it's disappointing the Royal have lost this deal, it is of significant concern to the sponsors that the club appears to be in competition with the FFA for sponsors. When asked mm. what the next step would be, Kingsman informed the Federation that alternative negotiations were ongoing, the club would consider donating the front-of-shirt to a good cause until a new commercial contract was signed. When asked how long that would take, Kingsman responded, hopefully in the next few weeks. The Federation has also fed back members' dissatisfaction at the quality of the Umbro shirts again this year. No update has been received on this yet other than the club are progressing the issue directly to the manufacturer and the fans will be updated in due course. So... The FFA snaked the sponsor. It's basically what he's saying. Yeah. Which is basically mm. blame them. Yeah. Which, hey... It's terribly unfortunate if that's the case. I'm just trying to think who the sponsor would be. I haven't got a clue. Wow. Oh, well, that, I'm that guessing... a lot of uh, territory. I, I have a feeling who it is, but I'm not... Yeah. Well, well, I can definitely say it's not Amart All Sports. <laughs> no, well, they don't, they don't even exist anymore. <laughs> That's why it's not them. Yeah. So, there you go. Starlight Children's Foundation, yeah. for now, which, look, it's a good idea. Like, yeah. Barcelona did that with UNICEF. And and that, yeah. Everton do it. Actually, a lot of, um, a lot of you know, well-known clubs, they do now and then give up their, give up their front of... Um, of shirt sponsorship to a charity and whatnot, and that's they're not they're not just in um, football as well, in you know NRL and whatnot. Yeah. So it's a worthwhile cause. All right, so the game itself got some stats for yep. you. Uh, between the Roar and Adelaide, played 40, won 15, drawn 12, lost 13. At home, it's played 18, won five, drawn eight, lost five. So fairly even all over. Yep. And in home on openers, the Raw played 12, won seven, drawn three, and lost two. But I have a feeling that last loss was to Adelaide. It was. They've played Adelaide three times in home openers, drawn two and lost one. 
With so, two red cards, Craig Moore got sent off in the first game of season three, and you're, you're referring to Matt Mackay. I remember in the that last was um, game. Craig Moore's first game with the yes, Raw, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was second draw. yellow? It was a second yellow card, yeah. This is how sad we are, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I remember, and the one where Matt Mackay got sent off, that was uh, Bruce Jitte with an absolute rocket in front of yeah, the den. That absolutely. I'm amazed he didn't go straight through the net. It just might have, yeah. Yeah. All right, so any changes to the Raw side for this year, or for this week? Yes, please. So Brett Holman is reportedly back. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Eric Bortiak won't be back in the side. This is what John Aloisi had to say on him at a press conference earlier this week. No luck from the immigration. It's, uh, it's been disappointing because you know, every time I get asked, it's like, what's happening? And I don't know. I, 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 all I hear that it's at the top of the pile. Um, you know, I don't know how big the pile was, but uh, they're saying it's at the top. Um, so hopefully we'll find out some news uh, in the coming days. So yeah, that was a little bit disappointing for the Raw having to go through another yeah. week without Bortiak, and it seems like he's still probably going to yeah. be a month off, like a month off from whenever he arrives in the country. And to your point about changes, Holman in. Yep. One, I would definitely bring in Luke Devere as two, and that's probably about all you can do at the moment because Holman Christensen's. I think it would be for D'Agostino in that number 10 role and he would drop to the bench. And I think you'd bring in Devere at centre-back. For Papadopoulos? Yep. Yep, definitely. Yeah, look, and just, just as quick on the, the Bortex situation as well, like there, there was a bit of sort of conjecture about, oh, how come that Ross McCormack for, um, for City got, got, his, um, you know, got his visa done, yet... We're still waiting for Bortiak. You know, and look, anyone that's actually, you know, has a clue about how immigration and whatnot works. UK, not me. Citi- U- UK citizens <laughs> can, it's, 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 they are a treat as a priority because of historical links, because of, you know, of, you know, Thanks, bilateral Queen, agreements. <laughs> Whereas yeah. France, because of the situation and whatnot, just because, just because they, they're an EU country like the UK doesn't mean that's automatic. You know, so like I said, I think this whole, you know, bagging the club because, City got their dead man done because they spent all night or whatever, whatever it was. It's a complete different situation. So just uh, look, let, let, leave it be. I'm sure the club's doing all they can, and you know what? It will happen when it happens. There's and no point bagging soon. the club. It's now something that sounds yeah. like it's out of their hands. And look, if yeah. it was a case of they hadn't submitted the wrong paperwork, then by all means go kick them yeah. in the shins or whatever yeah. over this. But when it's something that is quite literally in the hands of a government official, yeah. we all know how long that can take. Anyone's done their tax lately? Mm. Well, look, you know, I, I look in, through my job indirectly. I deal with with um, you know immigration, you know, and, and customs every day, and things don't get done when they got an issue. They will drag it as much as they can. So. Vandalay Industries with importing and exporting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, that, that's the thing is, and that's like I said, there's no point. You just you gain nothing from trying to bag the club over this. They they're doing the best they can, and he'll be here when he gets here. Same people that were bagging the Socceroos? Mm, perhaps. Hopefully anyway, he's here soon. Hopefully, because by, by the sounds of it, like, there's a lot to look forward to when he does get mm-hmm. here. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but as it stands, it's the guys who are here right now that yep. will be taking the pitch against Adelaide, and I honestly feel like we're going to see a little bit more of an attacking hopefully. thing. Now, I was speaking with, speaking with one of the guys from the Den, and got a bit of an update on their situation for this season. So there's going to be no official march this year. Uh, meeting at Hotel LA in the downstairs bar at 4pm and the encouragement will be for everyone to get into the stadium about 30 minutes before kickoff to give them a bit of a boost during warm-ups. Well, that'll be good because as someone who turns up there an hour before kickoff, it's it's completely flat. There is no atmosphere yes, until... Yes, but it's so much easier getting through security when people show yeah. up two minutes before kickoff. No, but there's no atmosphere in the stadium until 
tennis will kick off when the Den March gets here. So hopefully people are here earlier mm. during the set. And look, it's cool like when they are walking down Caxton Street yeah. for the march, which doesn't exist anymore. But like, it's cool seeing them walk down Caxton Street. But you're always looking when the teams are coming out and the Den's still filing in. It has been in previous yeah. years a little bit. Felt a little bit like a rush job, like you know when you perhaps miss a bus or something, which I've never done. Never. <laughs> but it's that sort of okay. Now where were we? We're, but I think you know if they're there half an hour beforehand. You, you know, just have to noise. set up all of your drums and flags and all the rest of it. So. Mind you, trying you know, try to get in at uh, twenty past six on a Friday might might be a bit of a challenge. It might be might be something more for the you know the weekend games or whatnot. So, but we, look, we you, get, the, you get there when you get there as long as you're in before kickoff. That's yeah. no, there's a good crowd there as well for the game. First time game of the season. That's right. All right, so we're going to go through some of the other A League fixtures this weekend quickly. So Saturday, Wanderers versus Central Coast in the early game. Yeah. Quick thoughts. Wanderers at home again. It's like another opportunity to continue on. Cejudo, like it looks fantastic. I, I think, think the Mariners might go okay in this game. I think the Wanderers will win, but I'd, I wouldn't discount the Mariners. No. And then that's going to lead into the Melbourne derby, which oh, Scott's going to sleep already. I, I'm just hoping for <sighs> These goals These big this games one. are more hyped than <laughs> anything else. If, look, if, if, I'd be interested to see if Tim Cahill you know, backed up. Now, he played 120 yeah. minutes for... But they, they don't yeah. need him to. They've got... The guys that played yeah, last I, week and did yeah. a good enough job, mm. and you'd think he'd be in the squad. Yeah. Oh, he'll With be on the three bench. full days to prepare. He'll be in the squad, yep. but I don't know if he'll start or not. I no. wouldn't start. It, it would be, I think, as well. Be, and I get the feeling that you now mm. Warren Joyce will reward um, those players that you know were there last week. Who now they did, they did win. Did Troisi play 120 minutes last night? No, he got he got subbed. He got subbed off. Or well, Milligan played 120 and. Yeah. Played whatever he played. I mean, and we know Milligan and, will and so play. They'll be, they'll be backing know, up. We so. know Milligan's quality we'll wasn't yeah. necessarily on display on uh, last night, so hopefully he'll be looking for a bounce back, perhaps. <laughs> well, the point was that both teams are going to have players backing yes. up from that game. So. Sunday, doubleheader Newcastle against Perth. Perth, rare away trip. This is a fascinating game because Newcastle have had good results in the past and they haven't followed up on it. This is a chance for them to absolutely follow up yeah. on it. And make a statement at home. I agree. Like I said, momentum is everything at the moment. They were, you know, the, the fans are up for it at the moment. They, they, they're already after one one week, they're thinking that now they're contenders and look mm. rightly so. And we remember but, round two last year where they belted the rules. Yeah, exactly. yeah, so I think momentum is everything. If they can go, go on and put another, you know, at least a decent performance, you know, a, a big performance against you know, Perth, I think they're, um, they can really sort of justify some of their momentum mm. from early. All right, and the final game is Sydney FC against Wellington. For time considerations, I'm going to direct you to Sky Blue Views for analysis on this game if you're really interested. <laughs> We're going to get on to our picks for Friday night. Okay. All right, so last week wasn't ideal for us. We all kind of missed on that. I'm going to start off and say 3-2 to the Raw. Adam? Uh, I'm going to go 2-all draw. Scott? It worked so well for me last year. 1-1? One, one. Yep. <laughs> all right. I, I, I will say that after the, last year, the Raw kind of struggled out the gate and it kind of set them off on the wrong path. They do need to win this game, but I just think I think Adelaide also will be thinking a result in this game as well. So That's I think right. one all. Yep. All right. So uh, hopefully we'll see everyone at fan camps Friday night. We'll be at the Northern Plaza pretty close to the full-time whistle. Just give me a few minutes to get there from my seat because I ain't having to leave in stoppage time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, come to the fan camps. Check out the videos. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Scott, Adam. Good to see you again, James, Adam. Guys. All right. Uh, this has been the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back next week on Tuesday because someone's going overseas. I am. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you next week.